I'm Stephen Gregory Smith. And I'm Matt Connor. Places, everyone. It's time for The, the Connor and Smith Show. Thank you, Places. So today we're talking with Vishal Vaidya. Um, we're going to listen to everything that he has to say about his uh, vocal studio, his Broadway experience, his life, and we're here for it. Can't wait to hear all about it. Um, how are you doing? Again, I'm checking in with you because you're in rehearsal for a show, Matthew. Yeah, it's going great. We have been rehearsing on Zoom as well in person um, for the, the music, uh, led by music director Rafi Tappan. And um, yeah, it's going to be an exciting um, production. And we just had an exciting night tonight. Uh, reconnecting with friends who are fully vaccinated, Kara Tamika Watkins and Nicole Ruth Marie, um, celebrating Nicole's 30th birthday here. We had cheesecake, we had um, wine, wine of course, we had little uh, shortbreads, not shortbreads, what are they, mini toasts and tapenade mm -hmm. and brie. Um, just even getting into the appetizer world again feels luxurious um, because you know through the pandemic we haven't had finger food because that's a no no a no no right so delightful to kind of go into some a little brie or a little tapenade or a little um, salami with a little mini toast just decadent um, so happy birthday, Nicole, and we're going to talk to you tomorrow along with Kara and the Super Friends. But uh, we have to take a break right now before we talk to Vishal, so we'll be right back. Hello. Hello. Hi, Vishal. It's Steven. Hi, Steven. How are you? I'm good. You know, just hanging out. I'm here with Matt. Hello. Hi, Matt. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, what, what should we talk about? <laughs> I Who know. Who should we talk about? <laughs> Who should we talk about? It has been like many years also. So much to catch up on. Yes. Yeah, so Where are you right now? <laughs> I'm in New York. You're back in New York. I am. Yeah, I was sort of back and forth this year. I was in D.C. doing a pod with my niece and one of her classmates. Um, and now I'm back here. Um, I just have a quick question, real quick. Mm -hmm. You're from Burtonsville, Maryland. I am. So how many times did you see me or Stephen perform at the Burton Bray Dinner Theater? Maybe never. And maybe never, uh, sadly, because I knew Burden Bray existed. It, I actually grew up like very close to that, but like, I never like went. Near that mattress store. Mm hmm. The one and only, you know, it's no longer, what is it? What did it used to be called? The mattress barn, right? Or the, yeah. uh, the bedding barn. Bedding barn, yeah. And yeah. now, I, you know, if you've been back in Burtonsville, I've not. It is no longer called that. It is called the mattress liquidators, which is very sad. Yeah, the bedding like, barn had a, a, an appeal, a charm. It did. Yeah. Um, 
is the Amish market still there? No, it's in Laurel now. Oh, God, oh. Laurel. I know. What is going on? That Amish market was the bomb. It was so amazing. It was. My sister worked there in high school at the pretz at the Annie's pretzels. Wow. <laughs> Russell Sunday used to bring Russell, if you're listening. Hi you Russell. Can, hi Russell. Russell Sunday used to bring us like, you know, chocolate covered bacon and like all of these amazing pretzel dogs. Mm, yeah. Oh my god. Ugh. Such a good place. Yeah. So so the Burnbray was probably like not a thing anymore by the time you were like into musical theater. Yeah, exactly. It was close, like probably right around then. I didn't even know what it was. I remember there was a girl that I went to school with that would do shows there um, as a kid, but I don't, I, I, by the time I really got into theater, which was kind of later, like middle school, high school, and that's not late. Um, it's never too late. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, a lot of it, you know, the, the, there were so many dinner theaters and now there's really like two, I think in Maryland, but that was a huge thing. Oh my God. Yeah. That, that was like, you got out of college. That was your go-to job and you made tons of money. Um, seriously, tons of money. We made, well, 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 we didn't buy houses. <laughs> we could have, if we stuck around tons of money in the grand scheme of things of art of art, right? And the scale, know. the scale, it's a little different. We do have that. Yeah, we I need the when caveat. I, when I say tons of money, it was tons of money to a 21 year old. Yes. You know? Yeah. 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 Um, but you are now in New York. Are you in rehearsal for something right now? I am. Um, I'm doing a virtual musical. So they've sent us, it's not exactly Zoom. It's sort of this hybrid of theater and film. And they've sent us uh, green screens and props and wardrobe. And we're rehearsing uh, right now, but we're going to start filming and, you know, we'll have sound and it's a whole thing. It's basically like if you're in tech, but you're the only one there. <laughs> but it's like a versicle. Yeah. It, it yeah. A musical. A musical. A musical. Yeah. It's so it's interesting. And and they've, you know, I did one before with this company. It's through um Showtown Theatricals and Art Lab. Um was it and, Amour? Yes, Amour. Yeah. Um, and this one is First Date, the musical. Yeah. Um and it's fun. We've had, we, you know, it's my second one and I know a bunch of the other actors and sort of like a, a little rep company of virtual theater. <laughs> Is Tom Sesma back in it? No, I wish. Oh, oh, what an icon. I love the man. He was a guest on our show. Um, oh, we, we adore Tom. So yeah. talented. He's so talented and so, so just like the nicest man. And yeah, he, I met him, he and my partner, did a show at uh, Classic Stage together, which is when I met him. And they're both like character men of an age, certain age. And I call, I call my partner White Tom Sesma <laughs> as a joke. <laughs> White Tom Sesma. <laughs> um, wow. So a more like I did remember seeing things. Not to, not to. The, this one is called First Date. And yes. That's playing like I think virtually at uh around here is it next stop next stop ah 
Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. Next stop is... Uh, is it in person or is it just a... No, it's a film. It's a film. But driving there used to feel like it was the last stop. Yeah. Yes, I did see two shows there. And, you know, Burtonsville... So for a long time, when I was in D.C., because Burtonsville is like not that far, you know, from D.C., it, I stayed when I was out of school. I lived with my folks uh, and moved back in. And from Burtonsville to to that theater is like very far where'd you go where'd you go to school i went to american university in dc and then how did okay vishal when did you first kind of get that bug of being an artist was it like a um being in a, a, a elementary school play doing something at, at uh, a community yeah i mean i kind of grew up performing because Indians like have performing in the culture. And I grew up doing Garba and Ras, which are two Indian folk dances, um, Gujarati dances. And th that was my favorite thing. Um, and I would like, you know, choreograph little dances by myself and in my sister's Indian clothes, which they didn't know about and then found out about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, that was kind of the my way into performing an art. And then I also grew up in, um, you know, hin with Hindu prayer, which is very beautiful and is sort of taught me to sing. Um, so those are my ways in. But then musical theater specifically, I was um, in true Indian fashion. I was on the math team in middle school and my math teacher made all of the boys audition for the school play and i like had kind of had the bug like in in fifth grade we, there was a musical that our school did and i like went to the audition and i chickened out <laughs> and so i just didn't do it um so i like kind of knew that it was of interest to me um and then yeah that was when i really sort of like met people which is i think has always been the most important part of theater for me is the community. So I'm going to go back to your Hindu praying. Mm -hmm. So um, you, it, you, you're, you're kind of like vocalizing the prayer out loud. That sounds like a, almost like a chant that then kind of helps you to explore your voice as a, as a young Vishal. Yeah. I mean, I didn't really realize it until later because it is interestingly oh i don't know if you can hear the sirens i'm in new york um yeah yeah that's okay we had an interview earlier with a cat <laughs> oh lovely <laughs> um yeah i didn't really realize it until like recently you know that part of the reason that i do you know one of my sort of jobs one of the hyphens i guess is that i'm a riff coach and i think a lot of that comes from you know pop and R&B music, but also Hindu prayer. And I think my specific point of view does is like a convergence of all of that influence. Um, but it's interesting because I would hear it, you know, like on the different recordings that we would listen to on car, car rides and stuff, it was really like sung out and really beautiful. But in Sunday school, which is when I would sing it mostly, Everyone was sort of, there was a lot of call and response, but it was very sort of hushed and not like, you know, it wasn't like some 
worship houses where it's like super celebrated and very all about the singing. Um, so it's interesting to, to explore that even now, like some of those ways of singing. Well, it, it feels like if you had like a voice studio with a hybrid of, well, not a hybrid, but a combination of the, the Hindu prayers, it almost feels like it would be so less in, uh, I would be so less inhibited to like just explore that because I'm actually, you know, praying and getting in touch with my, my spiritual side and not really, really feeling maybe self aware, uh, self aware of like learning my voice. That's such an interesting in. Yeah. And it is, I, I mean, I don't necessarily bring like the Hindu prayer specifically into my teaching work, but I do um, bring some, you know, Indian Hindustani elements into um, into the work just because I think it helps with agility and flexibility, which a lot of people want. And then one thing I do as sort of like a an exercise in letting go is I have people um, at, at the end of a lesson, they'll sing with a, a drone because um, a Shruti box um, and you can just find electronic ones on YouTube, you know, little videos that'll play. Um, but they're really nice. It's, it's, it becomes meditative. And I think that is something I've always read resonated with, with singing is that it should be meditative versus performative. Um, uh, or it can be. Um, yeah. So that's, I, and, that's why. And, and that's so kind of true when you really do material, whether it be singing acting, dancing, or the combination of all of that, when you really do find the trueness of that piece and how you relate to it and can bring it, that story to life, it does kind of live in a meditational state. And it can also really tell you when you're working with material that maybe isn't quite done or finished yet, right? Oh, absolutely. And my gut knows, <laughs> um, to, much to my sort of you know, I wish I, I was able to like get it up, so to speak, to do more things, but I, I, I'm pretty, I'm becoming more and more clear about what I, what resonates with me. And, you know, and there is this interesting notion, I think with a lot of people where like some of the work is for the money and some of it is for the soul. And I'm, I think I'm in a place now where, where I feel very lucky that I can say no to the things that I don't, res that don't, really connect um, because I've found so many people that I am working with that I do connect with and, and work that resonates with me. You just brought something of, of that up in as far as a post I saw, I'm not trying to be um, nebby nosed here, but <laughs> you... What's nebby nosed? Oh, it's a Pittsburgh saying. Sorry. Oh, I've never nebby heard that. Nebby nosed. It oh yeah. You know, down the block, she's all nebby in that. <laughs> That just means nosy? just nosy, yeah. Oh, I don't know. It's Polish. It's Italian. It's whatever. It's nebby. It's nebby. It's nebby. Um, it's nebby. <laughs> <laughs> but but you you had made a post about changing uh, dialogue points, and forgive me if I'm getting this wrong. In a, in a in a play, and that that the work is not done. That the words can adapt. You don't have to, you know, you can change the things that you, you really, if you really want to. Yeah. 
I mean, that's what I, tr you know, and I'm not saying that everything has to be changed because I think it depends on what the intention of the writing is and if context, yeah, context, intention. If, but if it's something that's there for like a gag, a gag, then it's not necessary because it's not the truth of the character. It's a, a thing to laugh at. Um, but I also think that that is like the main way I know how to, uh, rehearse because I've spent most of my time in New York doing developmental work. So like, that's just, they go hand in hand being like, like questioning the material is how I operate. So it, it, uh, you know, and sometimes to a fault where I'm like, I don't understand this thing. And people are like, well, that's just what's written. So make the best of it. But I do think, you know, as we, as we, come out of this uh, time, this pause in theater and start to resume really taking a look at the material we're doing. And, you know, I think it's really up to the licensing agencies to have a look at the material and to, to allow people to reflect on things that were written, you know, even five years ago, um, but certainly older than that and, and to assess where things are no longer okay or where the lens might not be of the writers might not be like overlapping with the lens that they are trying to portray. Um, yeah. And I think it's a, it's an interesting time. So we'll see what, what continues to happen. It's interesting because there's, it's yeah. How dated some things can seem so quickly. Mm-hmm. Well, also, I I believe um, a big why is going to happen with picking shows and doing shows. Why are we telling this story? And can we back it up? Or if not, do we change it so we can tell it to the now audiences? Stevie, you were saying? I was just going to say, I mean, one of the most brilliant shows ever on TV, I think, brilliant comedies, The Office, there's some episodes that you're like, yeah, that gag didn't have to be there. That was like racially motivated. That was like cheap humor. You oh know? yeah. And it's like it's even though that's that's not it's what 13, 15 years old, uh, that series, but it's like bigger than ever now for some reason. And there there's just moments where you catch and you're like, Oh, that didn't really weather well, you know. And I, I keep hoping that those moments continue. And it's only through artists doing, stepping up and doing things like what you just said, questioning material and eh, do, does it have to go in this direction that, that we will continue to see that happen. That's all I was going to say. Yeah, that's, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, it's interesting because the mediums are so, I think that, I mean, yes, there's streaming with TV, but TV is constantly generating new material and therefore can be on the forefront of of the pulse of culture, I think, and can, can uh, define culture by exposing people to new things. Whereas I think theater relies on the canon to sustain itself. Um, and that's why I think it's really important to examine the work because, you know, yes, people are watching The Office, but people are also seeing newer stuff. And as, as theater becomes more... Um, as I guess capitalism and the pop industry and the movie industry take over musical theater and Broadway, which is what has happened in the past 15 years, you know, there's not, there's not really generative 
art necessarily. And so it does rely on the canon. And so I think more than even in those in, in TV and film, I think theater has to examine what it's putting out and what it has put out because that's what it relies on. And to keep telling new stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it is interesting. Like I, for, for me, you know, having just said that about what, how Broadway has, you know, it's basically jukebox musicals and, and uh, movie remakes, which is fine. Cause that's what producers feel they want to do. Um, but for me, like that's not where the, the, that's where not where the generative art is happening. It's really happening off Broadway, at least in New York. Um, and, and that's sort of what I look to and, and am inspired by. Um, and there is really great stuff happening off Broadway. Yeah. And, and so speaking of Broadway, um, you did make your Broadway debut with the Groundhog Day. A movie musical. <laughs> Yeah, yep. it, it felt like the natural segue, right? Yes, yes, yes. And you were the cameraman. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me, okay, first of all, I love to hear Broadway debuts, uh, debut stories and what, tell us that journey, what that was like for you. Uh, it was, I mean, kind of wild. I think it, uh, I don't know that I was like mentally <laughs> ready because I'd put off so much of my growth, I think, in service of uh, focusing on getting to Broadway, I think, um, which maybe other people do too. But I think I, I sort of let myself like be focused on that and let that be the excuse for not um, really working on myself as a, as a human. Um, so when I did get it, I mean, it was super also like very pressure um which i don't think i would as much now uh but it was it was super exciting and it was cool um because it was you know it was a, a role where i didn't it didn't have anything to do with my indianness and so it could in some ways like i could represent even more um and and it was really i mean it's such a beautifully written smartly written show um that i thought was just supremely executed so i was very i felt very lucky to get that it was another level of training almost um to get to that specificity and to be able to execute it every night and in, in the way that you know you need to on something that's a big budget high-end production but also to make sure that it's feeling alive. Um, and I learned a lot about myself. Um, and it was also cool to do it with Maryland dinner theater zone, Andy Carl. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, it was funny. We actually just did a, a thing with him, uh, like a, a, I don't know, a, a table, uh, what is it called? <clears throat> Panel. Um, and I was, we were talking about, uh, the, we are both from Maryland and the Maryland and Pittsburgh accents are kind of similar. Um, and the dialect coach was having to work with everyone in the show on their Pittsburgh accents, but our two characters were not from Pittsburgh. So we had to sort of de-Marylandize our accents uh, to, to properly be the outsiders in the show. 
They're they're not far off the accent. They're not. They're not. It's the A. It's 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 funny because every year there's a a, a thing this this kind of quiz about what is the worst accent in America, <laughs> and it's constantly either Pittsburgh or Baltimore like upsetting each other from the throne. Um, That's there, amazing. There is a difference. It's subtle, but it's yeah. Anyway, I could talk about that subject. I'm for a whole wait. What is the difference? I'm what is the difference? I'm interested. Well, okay, Baltimoreans don't say yins. <laughs> right, right, right. So the the yinzers, that's that's a big thing that we we say. Uh, like there is, because uh, you guys would say, or Baltimore, not you guys, yins would say yous, right? Yous. Yeah, and it'd be like a ye, right? Yeah. I, I could talk about dialect <laughs> and accent for like hours. I um, love it. <laughs> it's, it's just all and what made it that way and that's that's the the story of the immigration in that area and yeah th how it kind of came through in anglophile words um mm. but anyway go back to what you, you guys had to demerlin demerlinize yeah mm -hmm. um but it was i mean it was like a high high um and it was sort of extraordinary and i met amazing amazing people and i think it had it did change my life um and a part of that was that you know getting to that point and realizing like oh <laughs> you have to like fully realize yourself now um that was necessary and i think you know a few years it's been a while and i've i've evolved a lot since then um which is which is I'm very grateful for. And you'll you'll always be Broadway's Vishal Vida, right? Yeah. I think that that yeah, which is which is nice. I think it you know, not that I I having worked with many actors who are not don't have that you know, title or whatever it is, uh, label. I think it it doesn't really matter to me as far as like artistic merit, but I do think it does have some clout and I'm, I'm grateful. Yeah. It gets me in a room and it it's a platform, especially I think for teaching, it's been helpful um, just to be able to get into certain rooms. But um, you know, for me, it's like the, the people are the most important in those connections, not in a, not in a networky way, but in like a, you know, they just the people that I connect with are the people that I will continue to work with. Vishal, you said you are Indian. Mm -hmm. And do you still have family, relatives, friends in India? Yeah, I have. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> wow. I'm not getting emotional. I just, uh, something was stuck in my throat. Um, yeah, I have uh, I have an uncle in India. I have um, great uh, uncles and cousins. Uh, my dad's, my mom and dad's siblings, well, my mom's sister's here and her family. My dad's whole family's here, but um, their cousins are in India and their kids. So when I go back, um, you know, I do see many people still. The reason I bring that up is, of course, you know, clearly right now India is just being um, in this horrible place with COVID uh, that's just yes. followed the world. And I just... Right now, I guess my heart just goes out to the country of India and, and everyone else <clears throat> who's been dealing with the COVID situation because it's been just such a 
just such a hard year. Yeah, it has been. Um, and it's, it's, you know, just, it sucks because it's, this is happening after a year. And I think there was some uh, maybe false optimism or, uh, or, uh, you know, leadership thought that they had really curbed it. And after a year, things started freeing up and, you know, for elections, there were rallies, political rallies being held. And I think it just started to spread like wildfire. And it's just really sad because I think, you know, it is, I believe, four times more populated and a third of the landmass of the U.S. So, wow, you know, that's like 12 times as dense. So it's, it's, uh, and, and there's intergenerational living. There's a lot of, you know, it's a, it's more communal than here. And I think that that is part of the reason, a large part of the reason that it is more, um, it is spreading more rapidly because to isolate is, it's not an option for probably 98% of the people that live there. Right, right. Uh, when, how often do you usually get, or would you usually get back to India? Um, I went in 2018 and then probably every five years, I'd say, um, which isn't, you know, I'd like to go more. I, it's, I would really like to go kind of, I always go for family trips, which is lovely. I love my family. Uh, but I w- would like to go and just like travel and sort of be, um, see it through, my own eyes and just sort of like get lost in different cities. Um, but um, it is great. I, the last time I went, I kind of spent a whole month in Gujarat, um, which is where my family's from in Ahmedabad. And it was really, you know, it's just so cool. It's such an old city. Um, and just, it's like there, you know, it's a walled city. It was from when it was under Muslim rule. It's like a traditionally Islamic walled city. Um, And so just the architecture is very cool and the alleys and how close everything is, um, is really wild. And, you know, I, I probably would have gotten lost many, many times had I not been with people who knew where to go. What was the last show that you performed in here in the, our local DC area? Um, The last show I did in DC was at arena stage i did dave um which was uh, yeah. two oh, years yeah. ago yeah i did two that summer i did i did the how to succeed at the kennedy center with miss nova payton um um which was amazing i've never been in a show like because i'm such like a weird character guy i'm never in those big production number shows or rarely i should say so it was really cool to be in uh that in how to succeed and to just Nova singing the house down on brotherhood of men and just like standing ovations every night. And, you know, she's just such an icon. And that was my first time working with her, which was great. And that, that really is a great number. Oh my gosh. It's so, it's the most fun. Yeah. Um, And what was it? Oh, Dave. So Dave really, I mean, okay. I'm just going to talk because I'm here in my living room. No one cares about Matt Connor. <laughs> but Dave really had some underbelly current uh, current talking 
I really heard some noise that that was really going to be one that went to the Broadway. Yeah, I mean, I never, I sort of am, I never believe it until I see it because I've had so many, <laughs> I've been a part of so many shows that are like, this is happening. And then, you know, some stuff, like I've been a part of a few projects, many projects that go and then they don't take you or whatever. So you can never really, you know, you never know until you're like, your check clears and you've taken your opening night bow, I feel. But, um, but it did, it did have legs and it had a great team and, um, it was so smartly written and, and the cast was, I mean, it kind of had everything going for it. And, and um, I do think though, that it's a part of this culture of what Broadway has become and it doesn't necessarily align with like, I hate to reduce, this is maybe a, a judgment that I'm making about what much of Broadway has become, but it is a little bit like high end theme park. <laughs> in a way at, at its worst, maybe. I mean, there is, there are many, many exceptions to that rule. Um, but I think Dave is, is, you know, it resonated with DC audiences in a way that I don't know that it would have resonated with New York audiences because DC audiences are highly political. Um, and it's a show about, about uh, being able to have, um, you know, agency as a, uh, as an American. Um, and New York has sort of become, um, we, I guess America in general is really based off of everyone, everyone being just a consumer. And then Broadway is sort of a reflection of the mega co consumers and who is consuming those mega hits. And who they're catered towards. And who it's sponsored by. Is it sponsored by the the SpaceX team? or <laughs> Right. And it makes sense. And it's all actually like trickle-down economics because the, you know, I talk about this a lot with uh, voice teaching that I do uh, with universities because if they're training their students for musical theater, musical theater doesn't really exist the way we grew up doing it. It's kind of brought like the the musical as the the book musical art form is kind of um, on that scale is kind of dead uh, because of streaming services have taken away money from people who would make a lot of money for records and people who would uh, make a lot of money from movies streaming or movies, you know, with residuals and stuff. So those record producers and uh movie producers are now Broadway producers, which is why everything is a movie musical or it's a celebrity who's no longer making money off of their albums doing a bio musical, or it's, you know, someone who instead of touring for three years can write the score to a movie musical. So it's, it's trickle down economics. And unfortunately I think it, it makes the, I, I think it's, you know, in some ways I think it makes the access to uh, Broadway, hopefully wider in terms of what, who is looking to it. Um, and I definitely think it, it, it means that Broadway is moving into more of a pop space, which it needs to, to stay current. But I do think the, the form, the musical form itself uh, is uh, lesser because of that trend. I just re I just remembered Stevie. Sorry, I just cut you off. That's okay. That what's his face SpaceX guy is on SNL tonight. Oh, of oh, that jerk. 
Elon, Who is it? Elon. Elon Musk. Oh, he is. So yeah. we saw we me and Stephen drive a blue Honda. It's a 2020 car. It's very cute. We have four hours to get to your house and to the SNL studio. <laughs> so I we'll, love it. We'll pick you up in four hours. Yeah, is that did it already? Yeah, I get, we could do it. Let's do it. Or is it already taped? It's already taped. Oh, it is. <laughs> oh, wait. It's it's live though, but it's not live anymore. I don't know how it works. Well, I thought it used to be live at 11:30. No, now I think they they now have started. Oh, maybe it is live. You're right. It is called Saturday Night Live. It's probably live. Um, yeah. I mean, not all of it's live because clearly they have, I think, content. But I, I think the people who have I've talked to that have gone there, they said eleven thirty. Vishal, you're a New Yorker. It's your job to know these things. <laughs> eleven thirty. I will say, in the past year, I've just eleven thirty is really late on a Saturday, and I don't, you know, because I don't have like regular TV. I don't. Um, think to watch SNL, but when I was in DC with my sister and her family this fall, we would like try to stay up to watch it, but like 10 30, 11 would roll around and we'd all be like, Good okay, night. I'm gonna go to bed. I'll watch the clips, the highlights later. You know, that is kind of true. We've gotten to a place now in the world. I don't know how you feel about it, but I'm gonna tell you how I feel about it. <laughs> By the time the Washington Post comes to my doorstep in the morning, almost everything, not everything, but almost everything that is a big topic, I've already seen on my phone. Mm-hmm. And yeah. also, Vishal, we are officially 80 years old. We get the print Washington Post delivered to our doorstep. It's That's all, great. That's how it survives. In full disclosure, it was to support the organization. And as soon as Trump got elected, I said, we are buying a subscription daily to the Washington Post to support them. The work because... they did, they, the work they did in the past four years is incredible. So exactly. And we, watched for the, doing that. and we watched the movie with um, Meryl Streep about the Washington Post. Yes. So we now we know it's got to be true. <laughs> <laughs> I actually bought Maddie a shirt for his birthday or Christmas, something that says it's their new, that when Trump was elected, they changed their slogan to democracy dies in darkness, mm-hmm. which they stole from a cabaret title that I did back in the seventies. That's not true. Um, <laughs> and so I got him a D- democracy dies in darkness t-shirt, which is now one of his favorite shirts to wear. Yeah. I yeah. like read the fine print neighbors. <laughs> yeah. I, I tend to, and this is because my, partner reads the full times every day the new york times i've started to read it try and read it first thing as opposed to instagram or facebook because i i think that i'd rather process the information through a you know a lens that is not uh like the echo chamber i guess because i tend to know a certain type of person that shares my views um, so it is nice to read the, the New York Times. Um, and when I'm home, definitely the Post with my parents. My dad still gets the Post in print, which is amazing. I love to do – this is, sounds silly, but this is the truth. We, I, are, we are senior citizens. No, Go ahead. we're not. We are is this alive. the crossword or is this the – I like to do the crossword. I really like the Washington Post magazine crossword, which my sister and I do, and we still – try and do a little bit even though i'm not there we'll like print it out <laughs> and it's it's big it's pretty big right mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a big thing. Um, okay. What else should we talk about? Um, I We saw Vishal in the Spelling Bee at the Ford's Theater many years ago. With Felicia Curry? With Felicia Curry. With Felicia Curry. That's such a cute show. It is so cute. You know, they're making it into a movie now. Are apparently. they? Supposedly. Can yeah. you get in it? I don't know. I, I wonder what they're doing. If they'll hire children or I'm not sure. Oh, right. right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But man, Felicia Curry in that show was iconic because that character that she played is like doesn't say anything for like an hour and then out of nowhere after literally sitting and being very still would do like backflips and <laughs> like just the craziest stuff and I just didn't know how she did it because but she can do anything. She's Fel Felicia Curry. Felicia Curry frequently gets those miracle jobs like that. Like she was in a production of the Scottsboro Boys at Signature. Where she I was, saw it. Where she, she sat was, there yeah. and watched the show. Yeah. And I was like, I mean, she did. I think she got up and left at the end or something, but it was very uh -huh. minimal. Um, it was, and I saw Joe Calarco's concept of it and why, um, but it was just like, you are getting an equity check to sit and watch this amazing production, you know? Yeah. But it's because you know that audience will watch her watch the show too. <laughs> right. The the DC audience would watch Felicia Curry do anything. You know, she's on, um, was WETA now? Yeah. I'm so happy for her. I just, you know, she's such a I incredible think, person. I think she's running with Kamala next year. <laughs> She should honestly. She should be I'm here a for news it. anchor. I think she should be like uh, on TV. I mean, she's so poised and beautiful. And like when you see her on WETA, it's just like, yeah, this totally makes sense. Mm -hmm. You need like your own talk show or to be a news anchor or something. Because yeah, we love her. Um, yeah, and she's been doing. She's in the uh, Queen's Girl trilogy mm -hmm. that. One of yep. my college professors wrote, Kathleen Jennings, um, which is super exciting and has been streaming. So that's awesome. Like she's, I mean, in a year where many people have been without uh, the theater and and performing, she's done this very important, <laughs> been a part of this very important work and, and then is now like doing public television, which is amazing. Um, Vishal, I know you and Stephen both have graced the stages of Fords, and I know as an audience member, um, there's something magical that happens at Fords because I know the original theater that the president got shot in clearly like burnt down and they rebuilt it, but mm -hmm. there's, it still has this very beautiful hauntingness to. There's a gravitas to it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, like doesn't it feel that like that when you're performing? You look out at the, at the audience, and it feels like this is where history happened. Yeah, it was especially during Spelling Bee. It was great because we got to be in the space, and we would all warm up together um, because we sort of used viewpoints during our rehearsal process, um, which is a, a, a sort of methodology for rehearsing and creating character and community uh we love viewpoints we love viewpoints um and uh it was just really amazing because most of the time i think because of how technically uh 
difficult many shows are. You don't get that opportunity because the crew's setting up till right before. But because that was sort of a one set situation, it wasn't a huge setup. So we got to be in the space. And I I, I do think it's so beautiful. And, um, and yeah, it is haunting. And, you know, on the anniversary of the shooting, there are always <clears throat> people that come into that back alley <laughs> because right. that's where the ghost of Booth like escapes from. And, and there's all of this lore and people are really connected to it. So it's cool, cool to be a part of that history. And I will say one time during Spelling Bee, or maybe it happened twice, but I definitely remember once, you know, Vinnie Kemsky, um, he uh, was playing Chip Tolentino and the character had to sell candy and throw it at the audience and he threw it into the box oh my god oh, my god. <laughs> oh no so they had to fetch it out of the, the did you box. ever go across the street to the little place where he died and i'm not inside but i did go to that delicious diner that actually has nothing to do with him but they use that name and the lincoln yeah yeah oh my god amazing well, first of all i would always it's not that it's a funny matter but like the place where he died is literally like you couldn't have been a little more imaginative. It says the house where Lincoln died. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So I used to like stand outside and be like, this is the house where Lincoln died. You know, um, <laughs> clearly the person that gave billions of dollars to keep that house said, I want this to be called the house, the house where Lincoln died. That dripped blood. And they said, okay. I mean, it, it, you know what it is though. I will say that it's very straightforward. <laughs> Yeah, you don't really ask questions. You don't ask questions. Leaves nothing to the imagination. Um, it, it is, it is, it's such a, I worked at, I was lucky enough to do about five shows at Force Theater and it's such a, I love the area of the city. It's like the tourist hub of the city. Um, but mm -hmm. to be, to be right near Chinatown and by the mall and like such great food, you know, options all around you um, hard rock I, I never went to the hard rock no. <laughs> <laughs> no like mom and popsy kind of uh options um but that's that's it, it's true when you work there there is like a weird so i was there for the 150th anniversary of the assassination mm. and we did a huge program there was like 24 hours of programming i was not allowed to go you I were mean, barred. You were barred. I was canceled from that. He, he was. He was Bill Bard. Um, <laughs> Bill Bard. I like that. We could coin that one into a T-shirt. Um, <laughs> and we, you know, after the event, there was like hundreds and hundreds of people outside of the theater because they knew there was going to be some kind of a candlelit processional of the performers and stuff out. And so we all had these candles and. This guy like nudges me, you know, who's in the crowd. He goes, hey, are they bringing out the body? Like excited. And that man was Bill Barr. And it was Bill Barr. <laughs> um, no, but there was a, a it's it's like those people, those deranged people who reenact the Civil War because they have nothing to do with their lives other than reenact this glorious um why would you want to reenact a civil war well do you do you see world war ii reenactments ever being done hey germany let's get together and yeah put that's together true a... it is always the civil war well and it's never done i well i don't know no i'm not going to say this i was going to say it's never done in the north right um, but it is actually there's a specific yeah there's a specific i mean what about gettysburg 
they do it there yeah they do it there i mean they have to it's their tourists it's, it's their game you know yeah oh absolutely um well i see that our little clock thing is says that we've already been talking for 45 minutes yes so oh, if you wow stop, if, you're, yeah. if you're if you're watching the clock we're going to slowly wind down into three closing questions that are fun silly and serious okay and <laughs> but one quick question about your broadway life um when you when you do a show on the broadway do you have sort of that same historical like uh, feeling when you do a show at a theater that clearly has so many you know famous names between the shows and the the producers and the performers that you're like man i'm in the same spot with all of these memories or do people like sign their names in their dressing rooms i mean it's gotta be so cool yeah i do think there's a little bit of that although it's not you know because of the unlike well ford you know ford's redid the the lobby and added on to the theater so i think there's a little more space and i think in maybe in the august wilson i didn't feel that as much as i would say at like even like only theater or I think regional theaters for me at least have more of that, like, Oh, this person did this show here. Um, but because the August Wilson was renamed a few times, I think I, I personally am not good at keeping track of what was in there. Um, and so I didn't have that like history experience, but maybe the mean girls cast did, you know, <laughs> Uh, yeah. Well, when I was backstage at the Nederlander, just accidentally, I was like, oh, my God, these dressing rooms are small. Yeah, they're very small. You know what space I love, which I've done a couple of shows at, which is, I guess, technically an off-Broadway house, is New York City Center. And that is where I feel the history, because um, if you ever go backstage there, they're, they have... Uh, the, every show you do, they have the company sign a poster, and they they're plastered throughout. So you'll see shows from you know a decade ago and you'll see everyone who is in it and and because it's such a uh it's a place that celebrates um older shows and their fullness and they do them with the full orchestra and it's such a celebratory experience um it's just very cool and i do feel the history there and that was where the the longest revival ever which is chicago was born right yes it is where chicago was born um, and I mean, it's revival form anyway. Yeah, yeah, it's revival form. Yes, although I wish I mean, think it's about it's a show about fake news. I I kind of want them to like, you know, do a little twenty twenty one take on it. Maybe. I mean, they're they're reopening September nineteenth. I think it is. Yeah, but they're going to do that same blocking. You know, <laughs> I mean, it needs a judge. It needs it, a judge. I saw it. Uh, I saw it recently because a friend of mine was in it. Um, and yeah. And it's, it's, but I will say those, those veteran Fosse dancers are giving it. I was coming in sort of expecting people to be tired, but the ones who were really understand the style were in it. Well, and that see, was very cool. You see, they were kind of getting tired until the Fosse Verdon series came out. Then that kind of like gave them like, eight more months you know maybe yeah maybe listen they know they know like it is even from where i was sitting which was not close you can tell who really understands the style because you can feel like those amoeba shapes and finger wags from 
hundred, you know, a couple hundred feet away, even when they really get it, which is so powerful. Yeah. And the power in the smallness of it. Yes. Uh, yeah. So cool. So amazing. Um, uh, 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 <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh. Oh my gosh! Well, we were we were. Uh, I'm talking way too much, but <laughs> Vishal, we were at uh, we were at the Stephen Sondheim Award for Signature Theater, where John Kander was getting the award. Is this right, Stephen? Yes. And and remember, Stephen Sondheim sent a note and said something. It wasn't rude, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Does Sondheim have his own podcast? Clearly not. <laughs> Um, but Stephen Sondheim sent this note on behalf of John Kenner that said something like, "The King of Vamp." Yeah, remember oh. that? And I was like, "Is that is that like is that a compliment?" Because I mean, it is. He is kind of like the King of Vamp, but in a, such a fabulous, delicious way. Oh, it's such it's iconic. Yeah, yeah. But it was just like, "Congratulations, I'm King of Vamp." Well, <laughs> Stephen Sondheim has a lot to talk about with Into the Woods vamps. Come on. I mean, some of the most famous and famously annoying vamps out there. <laughs> or, eh, 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 eh. It's like the shower scene, you know? Like a... Okay, I love him. Vishal, we love you for taking your time out of New York City to come down to Arlington, Virginia and be in our living room virtually. Oh, thank virtually. you for having me. We love you. Uh, much love to all of your uh, relatives and friends in India and hope that this whole wave kind of uh, maybe dissipates sooner than later. Thank um, you. And here's the three questions that we made okay. up. Now, remember, this hasn't been done anywhere else in the world. So question number one is, during the pandemic, everybody seemed to be learning a brand new thing. I'm going to learn a new language. I'm going to learn how to be a baker. I'm going to I'm going to build a bomb. I'm going to do <laughs> yoga. Um, did you take on uh, a brand new thing uh, this past year um i had been teaching voice before but i really dug deep into it uh because i kind of had to um so vocal pedagogy i would say i, I definitely deepened my learning of that can i ask a brainiac question for those who do not know pedagogy does that mean like the study of yeah the teaching it's the teaching of, yeah. It's learning how to teach that subject. Mm -hmm. Right. So you're a student. I said, mm -hmm, like, I'm going to Google pedagogy right now. Like, well, that's I know, teachers used to be, teachers used to be called pedagogues. Right. Okay? So you're, you're a student learning to be a teacher of that subject. The method and practice of teaching. Interesting. Thank you, Siri. <laughs> Thank you, Russia. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. What? Though. Why was he Russian? No, I just want to be like, you know how people have like Alexa in their house? I want to be like, hey, Putin, what? And do you think Alexa is a Russian agent? She could be. Alexa. I, I think I've been watching too much of Channel nine, uh, 30. I think she's drag queen. <laughs> Who? Alexa. Oh. Okay. Question number two. <laughs> um, did you binge watch anything last year that just, you know, you had time to like watch those uh, series what were they oh uh many but specifically i may destroy you uh michaela cole is incredible such a such a good show 
um, super important, I think, and and sort of I think hopefully what the next wave of TV looks like, um, and uh, like a binge guilty pleasure binge is The Vow about the uh, Nexium cult, which was delicious, and then something that just was very feel good was Ted Lasso. If you haven't oh seen that, God. it's so sweet. Everyone keeps talking about Ted Lasso. Can yeah, it's executed brilliantly the actors are amazing and it's uh just so sweet can i ask a question what the mm -hmm. nexium cult what is the nexium cult you mean like the acid reflux no. oh no are you there well are we still recording Hi, can you hear me okay? I can't. I don't know what happened, but we did mention Russia right before that happened. Well, that was before Russia. LOL. I went on a whole I went on a whole thing about Ted Lasso, I think, or something. I forget. I know, but I'm just saying the Russia alert was raised and just within like oh, a you're minute, right. he pulled the plug. Right. Yikes. Uh oh. Oh, so the you're just quick Quickly, what's the Nexium cult? That's what we were talking about. It's a multi-level marketing scheme, I guess, that lured a bunch of Hollywood people in. And uh, I think as they worked they their way up, they realized they were sort of a lot of them indebted um, because they paid so much to take the classes and learn from these people on how to be the most evolved um, which is sort of the thing they sell you on. Um, so, uh, you know, a lot of Hollywood people were in it and, and you know, L.A., uh, I guess, wealthy L.A. people. Uh, but it, it sort of trapped a lot of people and was this basically the brainchild of some very uh, twisted people who took advantage of a lot of people. I don't want to give too much away because I do think it's as, incredible. As, well, it's a documentary. Yes, it's there are two documentary series. I watched the one that's called The Vow. There is another one that I have not watched. We, I'm going to watch that tonight. I it's, love. I think cults are so fascinating. As long as it's not about my acid medication, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're good. You're good on that. Okay. The uh, final question is: um, So we Matt is producing Susan Derry's holiday album that's called "I Wish It So." And I'm a record producer. Yes, we know. And <laughs> Susan's a queen. Yes. Susan's a queen. She is. And we've been talking a lot about wishes and the power of wishes and what wishes really are. And uh, they're kind of just manifests of a truth that you hope will become reality. And so we've been asking all of our guests, we have this wish box that I made that is kind of reminds me of the little shoe boxes you would get decorate to put your valentines in i don't know if they did that when you were a kid but they did that when I, we were oh kids. yeah 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 yeah, definitely and uh so we've been putting all our guests wishes in there so if you had one wish for yourself your family the country the world what would that one wish be first thing that pops to your mind um the first thing that pops to my mind is that i wish there was more equity and inclusion in arts education um, because I think that we need to, in arts training and education, we need to affirm all voices 
Um, and that is something I'm pretty passionate about. Um, and an organization I work with called Broadway for Arts Education is doing some amazing work um, in India and in Haiti and in New York City. And they have a new program in the Galapagos um, working with underserved youth um, and bringing arts education to them. And I think, you know, it's not about um, getting to Broadway or training to be, you know, the best dancer, but I think arts education at its core develops confidence and curiosity and resilience and community. And I think those are really important things to be teaching right now in a very divided society and a polarized society. So I wish for more of that in the world. That is beautiful. Perfect. All right, Vishal, thank you so much for taking the time to spend with us. We really appreciate it. Uh, we're big fans of yours and just, you know, keep doing your thing and keep in touch and we will uh, send you this. This will probably air next weekend. So awesome. we'll, we'll send it to you when it's ready to go. Great. Thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. It went by so quickly. Yeah, we'll, we'll probably run into each other when things are normal again in 2024. Yeah, truly 2024. I hope so. <laughs> I hope it's sooner. I mean, yes, I hope to see you, but I also hope it's sooner. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Good night, Vishal. Good night. Take care. Peace. Bye. Bye. So great to talk to Vishal. Thank you for coming on tonight. Uh, we love and appreciate you and wish you further success um we are gearing up for next week which is a palka party weekend yes um it's a a, a palka polka a palka polka party weekend i think most polkas are in threes well so to people who don't know we're talking to Joe Polka, Soup Palka, Polka, Polka, Sue Palka, and Nora Palka, and Nathan Elman Bell of Wild Idol, their band. We're going to do a deep dive into the Polka family, and we can't wait. We're going to talk to Sue about weather, to Joe about politics and theater. And to Nora and Nathan about their new EP. And we are obsessed with their single, I Got a Thing for You. Can't stop listening to it. It's beautiful. And they recorded it in their apartment. Um, so that's what next weekend, that's like a hot take. We have never on the Sunday night or Sunday day uh, let you know what's happening next week so that's that's a big thing um, so anyway we hope you enjoyed this weekend we are Matt Connor and Stephen Gregory Smith uh, like us on Facebook Connor and Smith uh, subscribe rate and review our podcast if you can it would help us so much 
Like, we get a penny every time you listen to us. So, you know. A penny? A penny. A listen. That's my mom's name, Penny. I know. So it's good luck. So please listen to us frequently. You give us a penny every time you listen to us. Um, and if you want to know more about us, if you don't know about us, look up www.connorsmithmusicals.com. Connor is with an E-R, not an O-R. So Connor with an E-R, smithmusicals.com. We've done a lot of things, and we hope you check them out. So that's us, and as we always say, turn, turn your, your heart, heart into, into art. art. Good night, everybody. Thank you.